Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. We're really glad you're here. Thanks for being here wherever you're at. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor here, also a host for our worship today. Today, we're going to experience, we're in our third week of a series called All Together Now. Pastor Spencer's going to lead us in the scripture in the book of Acts as we see how God uses ordinary people, ordinary people to shape and change the world. God has a message for us all today. If you're a guest, first time, really excited you're here. We have a gift for you. Check in with us and we'll send that gift right out. And it is a Starbucks digital gift card. Also, if this is an a meaningful experience for you, you enjoy this worship, share it. Share it through social media with a friend. Uh, we would really appreciate that. And now let's, uh, let's hear from Stephanie, who has an update for us for what's going on here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Have you signed up yet for a short-term grouper class this January? If not, there's still time. We have lots of opportunities all through the week, both virtually and in person for you to stay connected. Find out more at sumc.co slash classes. It's time to stock the Flourish Food Pantry at Schweitzer. We'll be collecting non-perishable food items beginning January 24th and going through Super Bowl Sunday. A few items in particular that we need are pasta and pasta sauce, dry beans, and peanut butter and jelly. You can find a complete list at sumc.co slash food pantry. Are you looking for a creative way to help care for people in our church community by safely delivering a special gift? We're looking for about 90 people to help with a special delivery this February. If you're interested in serving as a porch angel, contact Sheila Pippin at spippin at sumc.co. And you can find out more opportunities for serving at sumc.co slash serve. Thanks, Stephanie, for that update. We invite you to engage today where there's a chat feature on your screen. Go ahead and say hello to your friends and others. Also, we would love to pray with you. There's a prayer button and we have people available to pray with you. And now, let's continue worshiping through the song. Let's enjoy and celebrate God and all of those with us here today. Let's worship.
As we come to this time of prayer together, we thank God for the gift of prayer. Prayer is vital to our relationship. It's crucial to our relationship with God and others. Today, I invite us to pray around and we're going to hear about the text, experience the text, the message today through Pastor Spencer, where the Apostle Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, calls others to repent. That is to turn to God and to seek forgiveness and then the sins are wiped out and we're refreshed or made new. And so today, let's, uh, let's confess our sin where we've missed the mark. Uh, let's do that, let's name it, and then let's seek forgiveness and thank God for God's goodness and eternal forgiveness. Uh, let's pray together.
Thank you, God, for your forgiveness and renewal. Also today in the message, we will hear about how the Holy Spirit moves through the apostle Peter and John, and they come across a, a broken man. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, this man is restored and all the others around him see this, this witness of the power of God and uh, are in awe and amazed by God, how God is working. And so in our lives, how have we seen and remember how God has worked in our lives, our families, our workplaces, our nation, our world? And how then can we praise God for the, hot, the power of the Holy Spirit that moves within us and our world? Let's pray together. Last week, Pastor Jason introduced us to John Perkins, who is a minister and a Christian writer who's in his 90s, and his book, One Blood. And so John is a man who has, uh, in his whole life, sought to overcome hate and uh, racism, uh, injustice, and a man, he's a man of nonviolence, of love and unity. And today we're going to hear from John uh, a prayer that he's written. I will read it, so I invite us to listen, and then we'll uh, say the Lord's Prayer together in this, in this time of prayer. Thanks be to God. And so I invite you to, uh, to hear this prayer. And John Perkins, as we know, that the, what we need is the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's so expressed. And so again, hear these words. O oh God of heaven, we remember your great deeds for your people. You created the world with your word. You spoke and it was so. You called Abraham and made of him a great nation. You delivered that nation out of slavery in Egypt and took them into the promised land. You kept your word even though your people rebelled. You brought a savior through their lineage. You allowed your dear son to die for the sins of the world. And you left your church to carry on your witness to the world. There is nothing, nothing too hard for you. Oh, how we need you, Lord. Help us. Help us to repent, to turn to you all our days, praising you in awe, wonder, and amazement for your goodness. Oh, how we need your spirit to awaken us and make us one. As the first century saints prayed, Lord, we ask the same, that you would send your healing power to make us one, one in purpose, one in spirit, one in love, one until you come again. Amen. And now we continue praying through the prayer our Lord taught us long ago. And we pray it with boldness and confidence and saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
As we come to this time of offering together, we thank God for all that God gives to us and we respond. We respond out of trust and we worship with our gifts and through obedience. For decades, we've supported ministry in Mozambique. It's really exciting. And Mary Decker is here to tell us more about it. Hi, I'm Mary Decker, and I would like to share with you how Schweitzer's generosity is making an international impact in Mozambique. Last year in April, we were surrounded with uncertainty, including how to manage the church financially through the pandemic. About this same time, we learned that the Missouri Methodist Conference would be forgiving three months of our apportionments, about a $66,000 savings in our budget. The church board quickly made a decision to give this money to the church in Mozambique. This wasn't a business decision, but it was a decision to step forward in faith. Much like here, but even more so, the pandemic shut down Mozambique's economy, leaving thousands of people without a job or food. Added military instability in the region displaced even more people. The local church, which is often a source of hope and support, was running out of resources. Our gift of $66,000, along with other churches in Missouri, came at just the right time to make a significant impact. Specifically, Schweitzer's gift provided food and hygiene supplies for over 13,000 hungry people. This, with additional resources, allowed schools to reopen and pastors to provide support and encouragement for their local churches and community. The thank you letter we received closed with, giving hearts be blessed forever. Because of the generosity of each of you, people are witnessing the love of God across the world in Mozambique. Thank you. Thanks, Mary, for that update. We have a couple ways that we can give today. And first is through the link sumc.co slash give. Also, we can download the Church Center app. If you've not done that yet, it's easy. We encourage you to do that. And now let's continue worshiping. Mary Jackson's going to lead us with Come Thou Fount.
Well, friends, welcome today. This is going to be part three of our series called All Together Now. We're starting the year off reading about the very first Christians and how uh, they went from this tiny group that, that went into this movement that changed the whole world. And so we're reading about the beginning of their story and about how all of them played a role in the, in the work that God was doing in, in, in those very, very first Christians. So we're reading through the book of Acts, which tell the story of these very first Christians and this movement that, that shaped the world. And, and they succeeded against like all odds. I mean, this is a group that, that had no money. They didn't have influence. They didn't have power. They had obstacles and persecution. And yet they were able to start this movement to change the world. It's just a miraculous kind of story. So we're reading through the first few chapters of the book of Acts, which tell the story of, of the beginning of this movement. And the book of Acts begins with a promise. And this promise sets the stage for everything that's going to follow. We read it in week one. We read it last week as well. The promise is this, Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus gave this promise to his disciples. He said this, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that you are going to receive power to be a witness to the whole world. And of course, this promise, it's the storyline to the rest of the Bible, and it's really the storyline to, to all of church history, because our history as Christians is filled with men and women who have uh, been ordinary, normal people, but filled with the power of the Spirit to be a witness to the world. So we're going to keep going today, Acts chapter 3 and 4. We're going to cover a ton of ground, two chapters. This is one of my favorite stories in really the whole Bible we're going to read today. And, and it's so inspiring, so incredibly inspiring to me that I, I just love Acts chapter 3 and 4. So we're going to cover a ton of ground. Let's jump into this at the very beginning, Acts 3 verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now just a real small, subtle detail, which I think is just really, really cool, is that if you notice where this person's at, this man um, is begging outside of the temple. He's at the temple gate. And so remember the promise? You'll be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's like this expanding way that you're going to be a promise to the whole, this uh, witness to the whole world. And, and here it is, Acts chapter 3, it's like, it's like he's just outside the temple, just just past the temple. It's like just in the parking lot. The witness is just starting to expand. And I just love that. So the first person to come across, he's begging at temple gates. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said this. He said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter says, maybe one of the best lines that Peter ever says, best lines in the Bible. Peter says, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I don't, I don't have much, but here's what I have. I'm going to give you, so, so walk. So taking him by the, by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to, to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with, listen to these words, um, wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And of course, they're filled with wonder and amazement because because the man is well, he's been healed. It's, it's a wonderful and amazing thing that's happened. And another thing that fills me with wonder and amazement as I read through this is that when I look at what Peter and John are doing, Peter and John are doing the kinds of things that Jesus did. Like they're doing the works and the acts that, that Jesus did. And I just 
fills me with wonder and amazement as I think about that. And it also tells us a little bit about what it means to be a witness. Because what we see here is that, is that being a witness, it's, it happens, yes, when we tell people about Jesus, when we share the good news of God and we share the goodness of God with others and tell about how God is doing in the world and what He can do in other people's lives. Yes, that is how we are a witness, but we are also a witness when we do the things that Jesus did. When we care for people, take care of people, when we, when we see God work in miraculous ways, we are also a witness of Jesus. Being a witness of Jesus is not just when we use our words, it's also our deeds. It's, it's how we live and how we speak. It's, it's, it's both things. So let's keep reading through here. Verse 11 says, While the man um, held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished. Of course they are. And they come running to them to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw him, saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it's by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? He's going to go on and explain some more. We're going to skip down to a few verses here because he's going to explain really the way of Jesus. And, and at the end of this, in verse 19, he gives a call to action and here's what it, he says. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he has promised long ago through the holy prophets. And so this crowd comes running and Peter again gives another sermon like he did last week. It ends with a call to action, repent, change your life and, and start to follow the Lord. And what I see John and Peter doing here, it is so incredibly inspiring to me because Peter and John are are inviting people into life change. They're, they're inviting people into, into transformation. And, and I love that because Peter and John are walking examples of that transformation, of that life change. I mean, they're walking examples of the things that they're preaching about. I mean, let's just think about Peter and John. If you read through the Gospels and you see Peter and John and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you compare them to here, it is astounding that Peter and John are the people who are healing this guy in the temple gates because nothing what you read in the Gospels would have told you, hey, they're going to do miracles later on and do the kinds of things that Jesus did because they were not the same people then as they are now. There has been a transformation that has taken place in their life. I mean, think about Peter, for instance. We talked about him last week. You know, Peter just was, a, was one of those guys who, who had a, a big mouth and, and made all kinds of promises but never came through for him because he was secretly very, very afraid of things. And, and just like when Peter was, or Jesus was arrested and, and Peter had said to him, as we talked about last week, hey, Jesus, if they come for you, they gotta come through me and I'm gonna, I got your back and, and nothing's gonna happen because I'm gonna be around. But then of course, push comes to shove. Jesus gets arrested and Peter denies that he even knows Jesus, let alone defending him. I mean, Peter is that guy who has all talk no action because he's a coward. John, you think about John, the other person here, John, when we first meet him in the Gospels, John is, is, uh, has a bit of an anger problem. He's got a short fuse. Jesus gives a nickname to, to John and his brother James, and he calls them the sons of thunder. There's a story in the Gospels where Jesus uh, is disrespected in, in a little town, and, and John's solution to Jesus being disrespected is he says to Jesus, hey, why don't you just call down lightning from heaven and destroy them? Like you're reading through that and you think to yourself, John, you got an anger problem. No wonder Jesus calls you the son of thunder because you've got a short fuse. You, you, you have this, this anger problem. Peter, you're a coward. John, you've got this anger problem. Like Peter and John are not moral examples. These are not people who you look to as, as just the people that you want to be like. These are people who have been changed. 
They have been transformed. And this is the invitation that they're giving here is that this is what Jesus does is he changes us, he transforms us. Um, and, and, and he can use all of us. I mean, Peter and John are the example that he can use absolutely all of us. Let's keep reading through here. We're gonna go to chapter four, verse one. And as we keep reading through this to see how this, how this keeps working, it, it gets um, more complicated and yet also like more inspiring. So verse, chapter four, verse one. Um, the, the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees, all the leaders, all the people who are important, they came up to Peter and John while they were still speaking uh, to the people. And they were, listen to these words, greatly disturbed. Remember how the people were amazed and astonished and they were filled with wonder? Well, the leaders are greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. I just want to hold on one second here. This message that they're preaching, this is the Christian message, that Jesus is alive. And you see it so clearly here, like this is their central message. Jesus is alive, therefore your life can change. Like any church that's not preaching this message, like run away because this is the Christian message that Jesus is alive. This is the whole thing. Verse three, they're preaching this message. Well, they seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed so that the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So the number of men who believed, there's probably others there, probably women and children who believed. This is probably more than 5,000. If you're keeping score at home, it was 120 Christians in Acts 1. It was 3,000 Christians in Acts 2. And now in Acts 4, it's 5,000 men. Like it's just growing. This, this witness is growing. Well, verse 5 says, The next day the rulers and the elders that teach the law uh, met in Jerusalem, and as the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John Alexander, and others, the high priest family. Verse 7 says, They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And then verse 8, this is so important. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And before we read what Peter said, I want to talk about that phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what does that mean, filled with the Holy Spirit? The, the literal translation of that from the Greek would be like, they've been given a generous amount of the Spirit. They've been filled with the Spirit, they've been given a generous amount of the Spirit. And uh, there are six times in the book of Acts that we are told that people are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the second of the six times. We read the first time last week. Do you remember what it said? It was Acts chapter two, verse four. The first time that they're filled with the Holy Spirit goes like this. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the day of Pentecost. And what do they do when they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they get this gift of tongues? Well, what they don't do is they don't sit around in, the, in their church building thinking to themselves, wow, look how cool this is. We can speak in tongues. No, they, they leave the building and they go and start to share this this good news with people. They go and start to share about the wonders of God with people. We're filled with the Spirit. They begin to go and tell people about it. And what's really interesting to me is when you read through Acts 3 and Acts chapter 4, it's really interesting how when John and Peter go to the temple and they bring this healing to this man in the temple, the Bible doesn't say in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John were filled with the Spirit. Like, obviously, that healing was a miraculous thing, not in their power whatsoever. Obviously, God was at work in this. But it's so fascinating that in that moment of this miraculous event, this miraculous healing, 
The Bible doesn't say that they were filled in the, with the Spirit and that's what caused the healing to happen. But now in Acts chapter four, as they have to, to give an account of what's going on and they get to stand before the authorities and the leaders and tell them about Jesus, nothing miraculous is gonna happen and yet they are filled with the Spirit. This, these times where you're filled with the Spirit throughout the book of Acts, it's, it's not about miracles. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's not, it's not about you know, seeing dreams and having visions and having these supernatural things happen to you. When you're filled with the Spirit throughout the book of Acts, it's not even about what you feel on the inside and, and, and having inner peace or anything like that. To be filled with the Spirit throughout the book of Acts is, is really about being a witness, which is the promise. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Like you'll be my witness. This is what happens when we are filled with the Spirit as we begin to have this ability to share and to speak and to tell others about Christ and what he's done for us. And so now, with that said, let's read what Peter says as he's filled with the Spirit. So verse eight, one more time. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I'm gonna skip to verse 12. Peter says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That is a verse worth memorizing and, and underlining. And then verse 13, when they, that is the leaders, saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were, listen to these words, unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They see Peter and John, they're ordinary, unschooled, unimpressive. Peter and John don't have what it takes. Peter and John are, are, uh, don't have the, the connections or the money. They don't have the, the status. They haven't been to the right school. They, they don't have any of the things that you would look to as people who would be able to accomplish something like this. When, when the leaders look at Peter and John, what they see in them is what Peter and John don't have. They see what Peter and John are lacking. So when they look at Peter and John, they see all of the reasons why they shouldn't be able to do the things that they're doing. They're unimpressive, they're ordinary, they're unschooled, they haven't studied, they haven't read, they haven't heard the podcast, have been to the seminars, they, they, haven't, they haven't learned all the right things, they don't have the right connections, they don't have any money. In fact, they don't have enough money even to give to the beggar who's asking them for money. Like they don't have the reasons uh, for, for the ability to do this. All, when they look at them, it's all about what Peter and John are lacking. And, and there is this truth that, uh, that if you want to be used by God, there is this truth that you have to learn that um, is absolutely vital if you want to be somebody who God uses to change people's lives in the world. And, and, the, and the truth is right here, that the work of God in the world is, is never about you. It's not about me. It's not about any of us. The work of God in the world is, isn't about us because as you look at Peter and John, they're great examples of this. It's not about them. It's not about what they've done or what they've studied or, or what they've accomplished. It's not about how smart they are, or how much money they have. It's just simply about the fact that God is at work through them. It's not about them. 
It's about what God is doing. See, there's this, this vital truth that if you want to be used by God, you have to learn that it's, it's not about you. The outcome isn't up to you. The outcome is always up to God. Uh, before I came to, to Schweitzer, I, I served a church in Kansas City, a little town called Kearney, just north of, uh, just north of Kansas City. And, and um, I'd been there for maybe a couple years. And one Friday afternoon in the spring, I got, I got a phone call because I was out of office that day. And I got a phone call from our church secretary. She said, Spencer, she's really excited. Spencer, the church is flooding. Oh my gosh, I, okay, I'll, I'll drive over and see what's going on. And, and what, I, what I'd seen was all, all week long, it had been raining just cats and dogs all week long. And there was a series of failures that led to our church's sewer system backing up into our building. Now that church was on all on one level. And so every square footage of that church was covered in like, so it's just like an inch or so of sewer water. It was terrible. We quickly like organized all these volunteers to come and, and to show up and to start um, uh, trying to save just every piece of furniture that we have. And we started to, to try to do this. We, we had people who were read our insurance paper because we're like, oh my gosh, are we, are we even covered for this kind of thing? Is this gonna, is this gonna make work at all? We, we were trying to just scramble just to make things happen. And, and, and like a, a sewer backup in a church, like isn't like that big of a deal. I mean, these kinds of things happen. But there was like a series of dominoes that, that started to take place that, that made me feel like I was in over my head. When you start to feel like you're in over your head, you, you start to, to make everything then become more about you and what you can do, as opposed to starting to understand the truth that this is really about the Lord. But one of the things that starts to take place, though, when you start to realize it's about the Lord and not you, is that um, you realize that when you get in over your head, that's when God seems to show up the most. And so we were, you know, dealing with this, the sewer backup, and we ended up being out of our building for four months as the building was being cleaned and then repaired so that we could come back into it. And, and as these dominoes started to line up, though, as I started to feel like I was drowning myself um, in, in all of the, in all of the, the details of, of this um, flood, one of the things that, that was taking place was that coming Sunday, this was a Friday that the church flooded, that coming Sunday, um, I was going to stand up in front of the congregation and I was going to share with them that we were launching a capital campaign that coming Sunday because we needed to pay down our debt. And uh, we needed, we needed to, to raise money for this because it turns out the bank wants us to pay every single month on our mortgage. And we had like a million dollars of debt at the time. And, and we were going to do that that Sunday um, after, the, after the flood happened. And, and um, these dominoes started to, to, to line up and we had this, this mortgage that was due. And as we were out of the building for four months, you know, the, the attendance just started to decline. I mean, not just decline, like let's started to nosedive and our finances, our weekly budget started to follow as well. And, and I'm the leader and I'm, I'm standing up every Sunday giving these sermons and, and I've, I've got to go to board meetings. And there were times where I'm just like walking into a meeting or I'm walking into a Sunday morning. In the back of my head, I have this little, little voice that's just starting to whisper into my head, you're not going to make it. Like the money's running out. This this isn't gonna work. This this the, you're you're no. This is over. There's no way you're gonna come out of this. You don't have enough money for the bank. You don't have money. It's just it's not gonna work. And 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 I I didn't say this in, then, but in retrospect, I realized that I started to look at myself the same way that the leaders were looking at Peter and John, like all of the things that I don't have, all of the reasons why I I wasn't leading the way that I should, and I just started to think to myself, over and over again to myself, I just like man, if I was just a better leader or if I was just a better pastor, if I was just a better preacher, if I was just more inspiring, if I was just more creative, then we could find solutions to all of these problems that are plaguing us. And I just kept thinking to myself, if I was just better at this or better at that, then, then we could find these solutions. And, and about halfway through or so, I, I, that time, those four months, I, I had lunch with a colleague, a, a friend of mine, another pastor. 
And I sat down at the, the lunch table at the, at the restaurant and, and my friend, he just looks at me and immediately just says to me, you don't look like you're doing well. And it wasn't like, hey, how you doing? No, it was just like, you don't look like you're doing well. And, and I, at that point, was at the end of my rope. I was stressed out. I was so tired that I didn't even pretend. Like, I didn't even put the mask on and start smiling and pretend that I was doing well. I'd be like, no, 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 I'm doing fine. No, I was just like, you're right. I am exhausted. I'm just utterly exhausted. I just, I don't know how I'm going to handle and navigate these problems. And, and, and something about that moment, though, that, that period, I learned a lesson in those four months that I, I don't know I would have learned otherwise because somewhere in that time frame, something started to happen, something started to change. And, and I, I can't point to like a specific day in the midst of those four months. I can't say like there was this one thing that happened, but, but there was something that started to change in just in the midst of our attendance declining and in the midst of our finances not doing well, in the midst of the mortgage problem. Something happened in the midst of that where the Lord started to show up because there was something about, about being in the deep end that that all of a sudden God started to show up in ways that I, I wasn't expecting it. And so I ended up learning this lesson in the midst of those four months that I don't think I could have learned any other way except through a time where I just felt like I was drowning. And this is a lesson that I have used almost every day through the pandemic as I've navigated the stress for myself and my family, for the church. Like, how are we going to navigate this? It's just a lesson that I've come back to over and over and over and over again. And the lesson was just simply this. That question do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to do X, Y, or Z, to lead through this or to accomplish that? Do I have what it takes to navigate this challenge or this problem? Do I have what it takes? That question is irrelevant. Because if I'm following the Lord and my heart is set on Him and I'm going to be faithful to what He wants, it's not about me. It's not about what I can accomplish and how I can come up with the right solutions. It's not about how smart I am or what resources I have. It's not about me at all. It's about the work that God wants to do in and through me. It's a totally irrelevant question to start asking, do I have what it takes? I, I imagine that Peter and John, they hear this. They're unimpressive, uneducated, ordinary people. And I bet they're like, heck yeah, we are. Because it's not about us. It's actually about what God wants to do through us and how God wants to move. And so what I learned was, as, as, as I learned this lesson, that it's an irrelevant question to think, do I have what it takes? What I started to learn in the midst of that was, well, that means I can let go of things. It means I can surrender things. It means that I don't have to hold on tightly to control. It means I can let these things go because this isn't really in my, on my shoulders. This isn't really my responsibility. This is God's. The outcome is up to God. And so as I started to release these things, you know what happened? Well, we paid off the debt, not just paid it down. About a year later or so, we started a second location of our church where our attendance nearly doubled. We, we started to baptize so many people that almost every single Sunday there for a while, we had, for about a year, we had baptizing, we were baptizing families, a whole family. I mean, like God started to show up. God started to move and, and people started to come to him. Like this is what starts to take place when you realize it's not about me. Like when you find yourself in the deep end and you're uncomfortable and you're stressed out and you realize you're in over your head, what I've found is that's when God starts to show up the most because you realize it's not about me. It's not about how smart I am or what resources I have. It's not about my connections. It's not about what I can accomplish. It's not about me. This is about Him. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit is that I can follow Him in all of these things. So let's, let's come back to this this, this passage here, and I just want to see how this wraps up and comes together. And as we do this, again, this just gets to me more and more and more um, ins inspiring. So we're going we're to um, start reading here in verse, verse 18, pick this back up. 
It says, um, they, then they, that is the leaders, called them, Peter and John, in again, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter said, or Peter and John replied, you're absolutely right. We're gonna be quiet. We're just gonna go back to our church building. We're gonna read Bible, do Bible studies and have prayer meetings and have our worship services and only talk about the Lord amongst our friends. I'm sorry, that's not what he said. Here's what he said. Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him, you be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. Let's skip down here to verse 20, 20, uh, 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God, which is what you do when you're in those situations. You raise your, your voices in prayer together to God. And then skip down, we're gonna skip some of their prayer. I just wanna come to the, the end of their prayer, the last few lines of their prayer. And as they're praying together, here's what they pray. It says, now, Lord, consider their threats and make things easier for us and change our circumstances so they're not so hard and uh, change things so that, so that things are easy and comfortable for us. Um, again, sorry, that's not what they said. It says, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants in the midst of these threats to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then verse 31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all, hear the phrase here, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the third time we've read this phrase in the book of Acts. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what is the result of them being filled with the Holy Spirit? They spoke the word of God boldly. You see, as we come to the Lord, as we give our lives to Him, we wanna be used by Him and serve Him and make a difference in the world. This lesson that it's not about us is, is front and center because God wants to use us, all of us. Doesn't matter what we have or what resources are at our disposal or what we've studied or haven't studied or, or what we know or we don't know. The truth is that God just wants to use all of us. And like Peter and John who are ordinary, unimpressive, unschooled people, all the things that they don't have, that's what they could focus on, God also wants to use us in all kinds of ways. God wants to use you to impact others and to, to share the good news in both word and deed. And, and, and He wants to use you in a way that you realize that it's not really about you. It's actually about Him and what He can do through you. But as you navigate through that, there's always gonna be a question of faith versus fear. Because you see, fear is gonna ask the question, well, do I have what it takes? Well, am I smart enough? Have I studied enough? Do I have the right resources? Do I have all the, all the right circumstances and the right scenarios in place? But faith just simply says, well, Lord, you use me however you want. This is really up to you to begin with. And this is the promise that we have, that, that we will receive power when the Spirit comes on us in order to be a witness, because it's not about us. And so today we're gonna to pray, and um, as we pray, let's just pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Let's pray that we might have boldness, and let's pray that we might have courage, that no matter what circumstances or how deep we might feel like we're in, 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 in the water, that we can trust God to see Him come through for us in all kinds of ways. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you today that you have given us this gift, this promise of your spirit, that no matter what we face, you want to use us. And there are gonna be all kinds of times that if we trust you, we're gonna find ourselves in places where we don't know what to say, we don't know how to act, we don't know what to do, but we know that this is really isn't about us, it's about you. 
that you want to use us. Would you help us to let go in order to trust you? To let go of our fears, to let go of our hesitancies, not to see ourselves based on what we don't have, but rather to see that when we're with you, this is what really matters. This is when you start to live and move in our lives. And so God, we want to trust you in absolutely everything. There are people in our lives that you have surrounded us with that you want us to make a difference, that you want us to share and, and to share the good news with. Would you fill us today with your spirit that we might be a witness of the goodness of God to all those we encounter. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.
great to share this time together with you today and I, I hope this has been encouraging and inspiring to you that God wants to use you in your life and it's not really about you it's about him and what he can do through you I want to say thank you to those who have made this happen today for Jim and KJ Stephanie Mary Jackson thank you for sharing your gifts thank you for the worship team for leading us it's so so helpful for us and I just I'm so appreciative of how you use your gifts for us if this has been helpful for you I encourage you to share this with people um, be a witness about what God is doing in your life and what God wants to do in other people's lives so who could you share a good news message of Christ with today I encourage you to do that. Can't wait to be with you next week as we are going to be in Acts chapter 4 and 5. It's going to be great.